Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Throughout the last century, one could easily argue that Pope John XXIII was one of the most influential popes in the 20th century. And after all, he convened Vatican II, which made sweeping changes throughout our Catholic Church. Now, it's interesting. Towards the end of his papacy, he was interviewed by a reporter. And the reporter asked him, what is the one thing that the Catholic Church should emphasize? Without hesitating, he immediately said, the Holy Spirit. Now, what's so interesting, he could have said, well, the sacraments, or better yet, emphasize the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist to bring people back to Mass. Or he could have said, you know, the teachings of the church, or better yet, the teachings of Jesus Christ. Or he could have said, you know, follow the, the doctrine, the dogma on areas like promoting the sanctity of life or the sanctity of marriage. No, he didn't say any of that. He immediately responded by the Holy Spirit was the one thing that the Catholic Church should emphasize. Now, I think that's very important, especially in this weekend. The first reading, as well as the gospel, are specifically towards the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does for us individually, but also as a church. It's important for us to talk about the Holy Spirit. After all, we will celebrate the Feast of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, in just a few weeks. Now, unfortunately, of all three persons of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit is probably the least talked about. Now, the first thing we have to understand is the Holy Spirit is not a force, kind of like a, a Star Wars type force. No, it's a person. In fact, it's the third person of the Holy Trinity. If you read St. Paul's letters, Paul always speaks about our life in the Holy Spirit from the very beginning of our baptism. Now, what I want to do for this weekend is I want to focus on that first reading from Acts of the Apostles. In this first reading, we see the Holy Spirit on display and what it does for us individually but also as a church. So the story begins with Philip being chased out of Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem is facing a great persecution. It's a great calamity. It looks like it's a disaster for the church in Jerusalem. They're being persecuted. They no longer can evangelize. The apostles are all fleeing for their lives. They're all going in different directions. Philip, we find out, he flees and goes to Samaria. And in doing so, he encounters great success in evangelizing, in fact, the whole city. Now, the first spiritual lesson that we can take from the story, 
don't be too quick to judge something as a disaster or a failure. We don't know that. Instead, it may be God making something possible for you, for you to be successful at in God's eyes. Now, when it appears to us that what's going on in Jerusalem is a complete failure, you know, the apostles cannot evangelize. They're fleeing for their lives because of the persecution. They're going all different directions. Philip is fleeing and going to Samaria. But it's actually a success in God's eyes because God now has allowed him to go to Samaria where he achieved great success in evangelizing the entire city. You know, it reminds me of the Old Testament prophet who said, God's ways are not our ways. Trust in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What we sometimes deem as a failure is actually a success in God's eyes. Next, it says, Philip proclaimed Jesus Christ to the people. Well, one of the marks of the Holy Spirit is to talk about our faith with confidence, whether it's with family or friends or fellow Catholics. St. Paul would always say, no one can call Jesus Christ Lord except in the Holy Spirit. What he meant is the Holy Spirit prompts us, even compels us, to make that confession and to be able to speak about our faith with confidence. Now, if you look at the early first Christians in the first century, for them to make that proclamation that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their King was very dangerous. In the first century, Caesar was your Lord and King, whether you liked it or not. But the apostles and the early Christians said, no, Jesus Christ is our Lord and King. Now, that was a bold proclamation because essentially you're guilty of treason against the state of Rome. You could be thrown in prison, even executed. And yet in this day and age, in the 21st century, as our religious liberties are being eroded and Catholic churches are being vandalized, as well as pro-life organizations are being burned down, well, we too must have the courage and conviction to be able to speak about our faith, despite the opposition. Now, the people of Samaria, they were attracted to Philip in his bold speech, and he healed people. It said, paralyzed and crippled people were cured. Another mark of the Holy Spirit is healing. Our church has documented miracles of healing throughout the centuries. Now, I know that's hard to believe for us in the 21st century, where we live in a culture that is so dominated by the empirical and scientific method, in which we, in order for us to believe something, we first have to study it, analyze it, and recognize it for what it is before we believe in it. Well, throughout the centuries, the church was able to exercise the charism of healing, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lourdes, Lourdes in France, is a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you look at how many miracles were attributed to healing of people with a wide variety of different diseases, it's amazing. Another mark of the Holy Spirit is joy. Going back to that first reading, Philip, he goes to Samaria, he boldly proclaims Christ to the people, He performs miracles of healing, and it says 
there was great joy in the city. Joy, that inner peace, is a definitive sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit within inside of us. Great example of this, Mother Teresa. One of her great charisms was joy. Despite the difficult work that she endured in some of the most difficult places, some of the worst slums of the entire world, a smile was always found on her face. Another mark of the Holy Spirit is the ability to defend the faith. Our faith must be one in which, yes, we're confident in explaining it to others, other Catholics, but we also have to defend it when it's attacked. Whether we are or our faith is attacked, for example, the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, you know, why we have to go to confession to a priest in order for our sins to be forgiven, or, you know, our belief in the sanctity of life, as well as marriage. You know, we face those attacks. What's required to defend ourselves from that? Lifelong faith formation. We must always be growing in the knowledge of our faith. Whether we're 8 years old or 80 years old, we must continually be growing in the knowledge of our faith. If we're going to be able to defend ourselves and our faith, As I've said many times, faith won't grow if you don't want to know. A great example would be, you wouldn't enter into a debate with someone to defend a specific issue, whether it's politics or economics, whatever it is, without first carefully studying that issue and knowing it backwards and forwards in order for you to successfully defend it. Well, that's where formation comes in. We must always be confident to be able to speak the faith, but also confident through the power of the Holy Spirit to defend it. Now turn to 2 Corinthians. Paul tells us very specifically, we will be judged by how we use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so the first question we have to ask, how do we discover those gifts? Well, first, We have to realize and understand and believe we are all equipped with at least one gift of the Holy Spirit. We all have at least one gift. Others have many gifts. Why is that? Because God never draws people into his life without first equipping them with gifts of the Holy Spirit. Give you a great example of this. Remember in the Gospel, When Jesus sends the 12 apostles on their first missionary trip to go and evangelize, he equips them for it. He tells them that they will receive the ability to preach, teach, and heal. And they do. And they perform many miracles. That's why they come back to Jesus after they're finished and they're ecstatic because all the good things that they've done on behalf of Christ in the world. And so we are all equipped for mission, for the ministry of doing the will of God. The next thing we have to do, pray and ask that God will inspire us for us to come to know those gifts. Also examine ourselves. We have to ask a deep question for ourselves. What are my natural abilities? What are some of the things that are naturally things that I do well and I enjoy? Maybe it's teaching visiting the sick, talking to people, music, whatever it is. 
Once we know that gift, freely give it away. Share it in service to God and others in this world, which is the express purpose of why God gave you that specific gift. Friends, the readings, specifically the first reading in the gospel for this weekend, speak to us about the power of the Holy Spirit and what it can do for us. The Holy Spirit has been active in our church for centuries on end, from the very beginning of our church, starting with the lives of the apostles, continuing on in the saints, and now it continues to be active in our lives. So that what? We can know God, love God, and serve God. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.